You're listening to Fireside Chats Without the Fires podcast, where customer experience enthusiasts are inspired by our weekly CX practitioners and thought leaders who share their insights and knowledge. And now, here are your hosts, Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. Fireside Chats Without the Fires, your CX podcast. Uh, your CX podcast, my CX podcast, and it seems like it's just Noble CX podcast because I was just informed this is her fourth time back in the hot seat with us. We are really blessed and fortunate to have her. Jess Noble, welcome back to the hot seat. Thanks. Excited to be here. So uh, we uh, are having Jess uh, back to talk together with us. This is our spotlight on the business of CX series that we are doing. We're still in its infancy stage. This is, I believe, our fourth uh, episode in this, and it's an important one important one to me. It's an important one, I think, in our community. By the way, the person who kind of woke me up and opened my eyes to uh, something that I'm going to, in my words, I'm going to call what I think is a crisis that not enough people are talking about is that many of our companies are not connecting their CX initiatives to business performance and business results. That is the motivation for creating this series, um, to highlight it, to talk about it, to define it to hear what we can do to fix it. Uh, and like I said, Jess Noble has been an inspiration uh, in my thinking around this. Um, for those that don't know, go back and listen to the previous three episodes. You'll find out who Jess Noble is if you're not already following her. But I'll save you the, the headache and the hassle. Jess is the management consultant and senior leader at Innovate, and she is the founder and CEO of Magnetic Experiences. Jess, thank you again for joining us. We got a whole list of questions. We're going to talk about spotlight in the businesses. By the way, did I describe it correctly as kind of like what's top of mind and why this thing is why this thing is out there? Yeah, spot on. It is definitely an issue, and calling it a crisis isn't being over dramatic. So, how do we get here? But what? Why is this a crisis? But not enough people know it's a crisis. Not enough people are talking about it. Like, what? What got us here? You know, probably several things got us here, but I think one of them is many people, um, a lot of people want to do nice things for people. We want to feel good. And one of those things you can do is treat your customers well, being nice to them, being kind, solving their problems. And a lot of those phrases are terms that you hear in customer experience. And so it attracts a lot of very altruistic people, 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 which there's nothing inherently wrong with that. However, a lot of times those people don't have a strong business acumen for the industries that they're working in. And so the focus really ends up being on niceness. So, you know, this is interesting. I agree with you. Um, we hear things like, oh, you should practically contact all your customers and check in and see how they're doing. Please don't. You should. You have to. You must. Oh, best practices. I, those phrases are what, I, they're like fingernails going down a chalkboard when I hear it. You have to. For me, that's what got us here. That you have to. You must. But there's no real science behind it. There's no business plan behind it. There's no looking at math behind this. It's, 
well, if you do this, this is what you get. This is what it's going to cost. This is why you would do it and why it's sustainable. Um, am I accurate there or? Yeah, I think one of the things that contributes to the overall issue with CX and it not driving results is we've kind of lumped everything together. And so you have B2B and B2C all lumped together where those are entirely different scenarios. And then by industry, in some industries, it is price, 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 price. And I can get away with treating customers however it ends up happening. And it, and it doesn't matter. And so when we make these blanket statements like CX is always the strategy, dot, 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 it's not true. There are industries that don't need to focus on customer experience in order to stay alive. Um, I would say one of those would be cable companies. <laughs> um, I, I think they're kind of notorious for being awful or, you know, a step above yeah. awful. Um, so in some places, it's your electric companies. Um, companies like Ikea, they, like their in-store experience is great. Their online experience, not great. Um, but that's not what they're trying to sell. And so... Not only do you have this B2B and B2C divide that we're losing, we're losing the nuance by lumping them together. It's also by industry. And so we're treating everything as if it's all the same when we talk about it, when that's not even remotely the case. That's interesting. Yeah. I, I uh, the cable company, well, the cable company is an interesting one because the cable company, the cable industry, I believe, is certainly taking it on the chin right now. People are mm -hmm. cutting the cable, uh, cutting the cord. Uh, people are cutting the cord. Many will tell you it's because, oh, the customer service is so terrible, which is oftentimes sadly the case. But I think it's also because the price of the offering is so bad compared to what you can get from a Hulu or, a, you know, the, the, the other Hulu competitors or, or nothing, you know, just streaming on Netflix and not worrying about, you know, having 783 channels that you're really never going to watch. But right. Yeah, I think you're you're spot on. I think if cable companies offered the same content as a Netflix or a Hulu for a competitive price, they wouldn't be taking it on the chin, yeah. even if they were still rotten at customer service and yeah. the overall end-to-end -end experience. Okay. By the way, you mentioned something I'm not going to delve into on. This is going to be, that will be for your fifth time to come back to the fifth <laughs> episode, but I'm going to state it here. I am sick and tired of hearing the uh interchange seamless interchange of the terms uh customer experience for b2b and b2c i am it makes my my stomach turn they are couldn't be more different worlds uh and i don't want to every time i turn on to something about or read an article or read a post or something about cx i don't want to read about b2b what i call client success i want to learn about customer experience, individuals, consumers, those that want to talk about B2B, you have your corner over there, go over there and talk about it. And it's wonderful. And it should be explored and studied. And I think it's a thing that needs to be talked about, but they're vastly different worlds. All right. I'm going to stop my rant on that thing, but I'm so grateful that you brought it up because it's so true that yeah. stop, stop doing that to us. Posters on LinkedIn and, 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 and content generators, but yeah, gosh, anyway, let's, let's get back to the topic here. Um, so we together, you and I both have said 
you know, businesses need to focus on the business. Companies need to focus on the business of CX. What is like, is there a working definition of kind of what that means? What does it mean to focus on the business of CX? What does it include? Or maybe what does it not include? Yeah. So in my opinion, the business of CX is really how it helps you achieve your overall business vision and goals. And if it's not linked at that highest level, then CX has no business in a company. It has to be driving towards a company's vision and its goals, period. Same for the metrics. If it's not driving those key indicators that the business is focused on, then there's no business for CX. Is it as simple as, is this profitable and just taking the benefit and subtracting the cost and then knowing, okay, I got some money left over. Is it, is it that simple? Um, I would say it is not quite that simple, but that is ultimately true. It, the reason I say it's not quite that simple is we're kind of in this addiction because of, you know, wall street and looking at, um, representing results on a monthly and quarterly and annual basis. And CX is a long play, much like digital transformation, true digital transformation, not implementing a little tool over here, is that it's a long play. And so you're going to make an investment now and you're not necessarily going to see results next month or next quarter. And that is okay. But if you're not seeing results on a horizon that you anticipated consistently, you're not doing CX right and or the need isn't compelling. So how about this blanket statement? We should move everything to the cloud. <laughs> right? Um, like that, that's a statement we hear. You move everything to the cloud. And yeah, there's a lot of advantages to the cloud. By the way, my, my own company, we've moved just about everything to the cloud. Oh. Um, but I, am, I agree with you. If it doesn't deliver a benefit, most importantly, a financial benefit, not so sure you should be moving everything to the cloud. And the people that are ranting about moving things to the cloud, you should turn them off and shut them down and, and delete them from your, from your Facebook or from your LinkedIn and from your Twitter. Right? Like, a, I, I think that's kind of what, what's going on here. Yeah, it's a fantastic example because I, I've had clients who that's what they sell. I'm like, okay, is that what your customer base wants to move to the cloud? Or are you solving a problem that is causing them pain or financial or other risk? And the answer is usually nebulous. It's something like, yeah, we think so. Yeah, kind. they just don't know it. Okay, you have to know your, your customer first. And then decide if what you're selling, if there's a way to position it that is valuable. And even if it is valuable, is it the most valuable thing? People have finite resources. They have finite people, finite money. So even if cloud is important, is it in the top 20 important things? Because you can't do everything today. And so it may not be. How about even this one? You should be offering live chat. Oh, gosh. I, I hear that one. Like, you know, talking about opening up a new communication channel. Like, well, yeah, sure, it'd be great. We'll offer all the channels. We'll offer mm -hmm. facts. You know, we'll offer conversational AI. We'll, all, you know, all, all the buzzwords, right? We'll offer, and you fill in the blank with it. 
but is there a benefit? What, what problem is it solving? I love the way you pitched that. What problem is it solving, A, and B, just as, or maybe more importantly, is what benefit financially are you getting from that? Yeah, I worked with a company that serves credit unions, and they were looking to spin up quite a few new channels. And one of the first questions I often ask when any company is spinning up new channels is, are the channels you have today, are they seamless? Do they talk to each other? Can a customer easily switch channels? Do you make them switch channels? You know, if they say, oh, I actually have a return and you say, oh, well, call us then. And if you don't have that seamless experience across the channels you already have, let's not exponentially make it worse by adding more channels into the mix. Yeah, agreed. I, I like this. Um, I want to ask you, so you do, you're in, in touch with a, 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 a I'm going to guess a large number of companies that maybe your clients or that you're consulting with, that you're talking to, you're analyzing, you're observing. What are some real life examples of, to the extent you can share, um, or industries of companies that are not focused on the business of CX? You're just looking for a couple of examples that we can kind of point at and, and, and talk through. That are not focused on it? That are not focused on it. Yeah. Um, I would say, especially in the small to mid-sized business space, which is where I focus um, nowadays, it's a lot of companies because it is not easy and results are more often than not, not quick. And so you see it in professional service firms where they invest in having great individuals, but they don't have a good end-to-end -end experience. So going from we meet someone or a prospect to actually delivering, it's painful. Now, the person that you're ultimately consulting with may be great, but that's one piece. And so you may have soured the customer up until the point where they get to meet their person and then afterwards. And so I would say that's one area, one type of company. Um, distribution companies, I would say they, they also oftentimes struggle in comparison because they're competing with the Amazons of the world. Now, I personally have a lot of issues with Amazon um, and their experience, but this podcast isn't long enough to delve into this. Mm -hmm. Got it. I'll, I'll give you an, maybe an easier question. Examples of companies that are focused on the business of CX. Does that make it easier? Oof. Uh, a little bit, just probably because there aren't that many that are truly focusing on it. And oftentimes people want to throw out these big company names as like the beacons of customer experience. However, that is not, in my opinion, the best idea because those examples are typically very expensive and they have found a niche where what they're doing is valuable and so they can find an audience. That it, It's a phenomenal strategy for them. That does not mean... Zappos, uh, Southwest, you're talking about probably. Carlton. Yeah, yeah, these are companies where they have found their sweet spot and they are executing but if I try and copycat, it is not going to work. Right. And so um, 
companies that are doing it well, it's, you know, it's going to be a lot of times based on relationships. So if you have local businesses that you really like, and they really focus on taking care of their customers. Like we've got a couple of restaurants that do a really good job of that near where I am. Some people have gyms that are doing a really good job of that. Um, but when you try to think of brands that are doing it consistently, there aren't a lot. Now, um, I think Nordstrom's, that's one of them. Again, they found a niche and they do it well. Um, there's some car companies um, that do a really good job with experience, um, cycling. There's some bike manufacturers that do a really, really good job. Um, even in just how they let people, uh, try out their products, um, in a way that really defies logic to some degree. That's, um, so that's a category you don't hear much about the bicycle category. I like hearing that though. Yeah. I've I, I know some really good examples and so I think what you see is you see the individual efforts of some leadership teams that are doing a very good job, but they are anecdotal, unfortunately. So that's not to minimize they are doing a great job. It is serving their business. But in the overall scheme of customer experience, the success stories are more anecdotal. Got it. All right. I got a final question for you before we wrap, we wrap up. So many of us focus on metrics, mm -hmm. a number, a score, uh, an indicator, or whatever. For companies that are doing business of CX well or correctly, are there metrics that you recommend that these companies follow? <laughs> um, no. And the reason is. Hey. puppy. Uh, no, she's 14, and so she kind of runs the world, and so I apologize. Um, but, no, I, I don't – one moment, entertain your audience while I help We're going to entertain the audience while Jeff uh, interacts with her puppy. And, by the way, puppies are great. We love puppies over here. So the question, um, again, <laughs> what we're, I'm waiting on bated breath to understand, because I, this one I may debate Jess on just a little bit. I never debate her, but I, I'm going to maybe debate her. Sure. About, me um, about metrics is, is so many of us want like a, a recipe, right? We want like, if you yeah. do to follow this formula and yeah. you'll get it right. So you're saying, no, there isn't necessarily one. No. And I would love if there was a magic metric, but there isn't. It's really, how do you use the measures that you have today? So when you're using them, are you applying them consistently? Are you deriving actionable insights? Are you, you then using those actionable insights to change your business, to improve your business? Now, if you were starting a new company and wanted to lay out your KPI scorecard, yeah, we could come up with what works best for your business. And a lot of times people want to say, okay, well, the customer experience metric is NPS, CSAT, customer effort. All of these have a place in this vision of your KPIs, but that tells you one piece of information. And so having any of those is not wrong. They're necessary. But to have a magic one, and that's the thing that you look at, out of context from other important business-driven KPIs is not healthy. You need to be looking at, for some businesses, it's going to be EBITDA. 
for others, it's going to be margin and margin, you know, is really driven by revenue and cost. So if customer experience can't move those levers over whatever the time horizon is, who cares what customer effort is, customer satisfaction is, NPS is. Now, we know that in many industries and for many companies, there is a very strong correlation between NPS, CSAT, or customer effort and revenue or cost. And if that is the case, that's the metric for you, one of your metrics. But if there isn't, it's not. I like it. Okay, here's where I was going to push back on you. And I, I think I agree with all of the things you just said. It's not one of them. It could be a couple of them. It could be all of them. It could be several of them. It, it, it depends on the business. But here's one that I like. Okay. I, I don't fully understand it, by the way. I want to admit that, that I don't have a, a complete grasp on it. But the uh, metric of customer lifetime value. Mm. Which if I'm going to I'm going to break it down for those that don't know, I, I think what it is is the um, cost sorry, the revenue that you will receive from that customer over lifetime. By the way, you also have to understand what is that lifetime? Is it a month? Is it a year? Is it a year mm-hmm. and a half? Like you have to figure that out. But what is the revenue that you will receive minus the cost that it uh, that there is to acquire and serve that customer. Uh, one minus the other gives you the customer lifetime value, I believe. I hope I've expressed it correctly. Those are not easy things to calculate, by the way. Right. Um, I am of the belief that if if an organization can calculate or come close, that should be a guide in decision-making of should we move to the cloud? Should we introduce chat as a channel? Should we offer, you know, 24-7 service and because it's going to cost this and it's going to give us that? Should we, um, or should we just get rid of the live agents in the contact center and just automate everything? Though, yeah. I, think, I think customer lifetime value is a very good benchmark to be able to start to make decisions of what your allowable is. How much money do you have or not have to play with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think you're right. A couple of the things that, because um, that is a great measure, I would say a couple of the things that you have to consider, like you said, one, it can be difficult to measure, um, especially if what you're selling is something that people won't need again for a very long time. Um, but a lot of the customer experience improvements that are going to be typical are things that are going to affect that bottom measure, the cost, which makes it a good measure. Um Another thing that can make it difficult is the change I'm making today to, let's say it's to remove some friction. I may not be able to correlate that in the short term or in the near term, that that's going to help me keep customers longer, sell more, um, because some of it is we're experimenting. We think that if we remove x type of friction or if we add chat we believe that will solve a compelling customer issue but until we try it we don't know for certain and so there is some experimentation we don't need to go all in with an idea every time um because that's where that measure can can skew because we don't know and so you need measures that tell us about the past 
And then you need other measures that are more predictive in nature. Correct. Correct. Perfect. Jeff Noble, you are always a welcome guest. Uh, I appreciate you taking the questions, sharing your knowledge, your feedback, and letting me put you on the spot a little bit. Uh, thank you for <laughs> um, maybe pushing just slightly one one set of compliments and, and for being patient with that. Um, you are a almost a permanent fixture on this show, and we love that and admire you. We respect you. We cheer you on. Um, thank you for being such a gracious guest today. Oh, my pleasure, and thanks for putting up with my my Winnie, my fourteen year old. Oh, oh that's she is. She heard her name. Perfect timing. Yeah, she's like just saying, so you no, know, I was here. Normally, I put them away, but you know when they're this old. Nah, you can't put them away. Feature them. Feature yeah. them. Winnie, we're fans too. Have a, have, Winnie, have a happy Friday. Keep barking. <laughs> yes. Jess Noble, enjoy your weekend. Thank you once again for coming on. We will have you back definitely to debate and discuss uh, at least the topic of customer success versus client success and that whole oh, B2B yes. and B2C thing. But another, yeah. another episode for another future time. Thank you once again. Lovely to see you. Have a wonderful weekend. Thanks for having me. I'll talk to you soon. The episode is over, but the conversation continues. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts. Post a comment and subscribe to stay on the leading edge of customer experience. To get in touch or be a guest, follow us on Twitter at ChatsFires or on LinkedIn or in your podcast repository of choice. Thank you.